Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. I'm Ben. And we are here, as always, to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 97, MLB playoffs started today. We're going to get into that. NFL news and notes from week three, as well as our way-too-early predictions for the NFL awards and Banker Tank for week four, as well as week three's review to Ben's dismay once again. But first, I got a little bit of a retraction to make. What's that? I, not, not, not a retraction, because I don't go back on what I say. I back up what I, what, what I put out here. I understand that it's it's out there for everybody to hear. I said the Baltimore Ravens were going to punch the Kansas City Chiefs in the mouth. They were going to show them why they were the best team in the league. They were going to prove on every level that the Chiefs might be the champs, but the Ravens are the team to beat. And I was wrong. That was a disheartening loss for the Ravens last night. I I don't really know what they can do. Because uh, I thought I thought after the week two game, they looked shaky against the Chargers. And I'm talking about the Chiefs. But they just came out and ripped the soul out of the Baltimore Ravens. And it makes you think that if the Ravens don't have enough, does anybody have enough to compete with the Chiefs? Yes. You're going to see it Sunday. But, and no, it's it's not, and that's not just a homer in me talking. I'm not saying the Patriots can beat the Chiefs. I'm saying you need a coach who isn't going to rely on a one-dimensional offense. And, and the Ravens aren't a one-dimensional offense, which is why it's so surprised to me yesterday. They played like they were. I don't know if that was the Chiefs stopping them or the Ravens just so determined to beat them with the run on Lamar Jackson. They didn't break out any other tricks, but... In fairness to Lamar Jackson, though, Mark Andrews dropped numerous passes he should have had. So did Hollywood Brown. That entire team looked shook from the start. I don't know if they were so pumped up for it, but all you heard for weeks heading into that game was that was the game they were looking for. That was the game they were looking forward to. It, it I just cannot believe the Ravens, such a proud franchise, Essentially got their ass handed to them and and just thank the Chiefs for it. And, and you want some more points? Here you go. It, it, the final score was 34 to 20, I believe, and it wasn't even that close on the field. I mean, Lamar had under 100 yards passing, a couple of nice runs, but that was essentially it. I mean, it really was. And as far as what can they do, I know it's not our main, our main topic, but it was kind of something I wanted to, because I'll admit when I'm wrong. Yeah. I'll admit when I'm wrong. I thought it'd be, it'd be you know fun to talk about for a few minutes here at the top of the show. I kind of equate it to um, back when the Patriots and Colts were Brady and Manning. And first couple times, first couple years, Manning went against Brady. It was very one-sided. Patriots, just based on game plan. It wasn't just the two players, obviously. They weren't actually play each other. But the Patriots always seemed to get the Colts number. The Colts could beat the living crap out of everybody else. But the Patriots always seemed to stop them. And then eventually the Colts got over the hump and it became more of a, a rivalry, a contest every time they played. And I think that's what will happen with these two teams. But right now, you, you, you know the old Ric Flair saying, to be the man, you got to beat the man? Yep. Yeah, well, the, the, the Chiefs went in and told the Ravens in their own house, we're the man. And the Ravens said, yes, you are. Here's a W. Oh, 
And, and the Ravens' issue right now uh, is they're actually staring up in their division. And I understand Pittsburgh may have not had the competition that the Ravens have, obviously because they didn't face the Chiefs. But they're still 3-0. Uh, and they're going to face each other twice. And I think, and as we'll process through this episode, you'll see why I think uh, the Steelers are going to be more of a competition this year than the past few years combined. And you can't, I, I, I hate to say this right now, but you can't discount the Cleveland Browns yet. And then you have to officially, pass. I mean, on paper, Eventually, but I mean, yeah. just watching the games, you can tell. Right. And then, and then obviously all the other divisions, this on the surface right now, this is going to be a hard conference to get through. And I mean, the, the rest of the games for the regular season and into the playoffs. And I'll, I'll say that equally about the Chiefs as well. It is not going to be easy to get to the AFC Championship game. You can't, if you're a Ravens fan, just say, well, we'll see them in the AFC Championship game. No, no it's not going to be that easy can't, this year. Because you might see them in the divisional round. So just, just take it one game at a time, understanding the magnitude of that game and understanding you got punched in the mouth by the champs. They came out and they swung and they swung hard. Yeah, and they, they proved anyone who wants to dethrone them is going to have to earn it. And I think I think I gave the Chargers defense a, a little bit less credit than they deserved and the Ravens a little more credit than they deserved. Because right. the Chargers have been giving everybody trouble with, with, with that great defense they have. They've lost some key members to it. Who knows where they're going to go now? But, I mean, they don't, they've had a hell of a season so far. Yeah. And I mean, I, I really do believe the Ravens will be fine. The Ravens are a damn fine team. They're a finely coached team. They have a lot of talent on that team. They'll be they'll be fine. If they see the Chiefs again in the playoffs, I'd have to think it would be a different game. But I'm certainly not going to discount them again. That Super Bowl hangover I said the Chiefs were on, well, they, either they got over it really quick or I was imagining it because they did not look like a hungover team yesterday. They got over that real quick. And it could be different if they're going to Arrowhead with fans as opposed to MNT Bank Stadium with no fans. It could be a difference. Cause they, mean, maybe, but Chiefs usually play better in Arrowhead. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But now they play good everywhere. So, so. <laughs> But other playoffs, MLB playoffs started tonight. As we speak there, uh, the Yankees are playing the Indians, yep. and they're up 5-2 to two last week time we checked. What it's, inning is that? still 5-2, to two, uh, top of the fifth inning. 5-2 in the fifth inning, okay. So that great Garrett Cole, Shane Bieber pitching matchup has not so much materialized. Already today, the Astros beat the Twins 4-1. to White Sox beat the A's 4-1. to Fun fact in that game, uh, Ben and I's uh, NL pick, as we stated last episode, has already been, well, not already been eliminated, was not even in the playoffs, being the Nationals. To win the World Series, Ben picked the White Sox, and I picked the A's. So right there in the first round is both our World Series picks. So our, our, bar- our bracket is going to be busted. One of ours is going to be busted. So Ben's going to be really disappointed there. Sure, we'll go with that. Um, the Rays beat the Jays three to one. Uh, game two for these series, all these series is tomorrow, and they they're only best of three, so they could wrap up tomorrow. Yeah, it could. Uh, NL NL will start tomorrow. Game one: Braves versus Reds, Cubs versus Marlins, Padres versus Cardinals, and Dodgers versus Brewers. 
Uh, not really a whole ton for us to get into here. Just kind of wanted to go over it. We did have another playoff wrap-up you know, last night. What? The NHL wrapped up last night. Oh, the uh, Tampa Bay one, right? Tampa Bay, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, sorry. Tampa Bay Lightning wrapped it up uh, game six. Great job. Congratulations. Um, and then we have tomorrow, tomorrow or the next day, starting NBA Finals, Heat, Lakers. Okay. Go Heat. Yeah, anybody but L.A. And, and, and <laughs> my team got bounced by the Heat, but still. Going. Yeah. Yeah, I second that. Uh, so, aside from our, our obvious interest on the White Sox A series and the fact that we're Red Sox fans, so we're not objectively as a podcast host, we don't care, but as Red Sox fans, we're rooting for the Indians or anyone to beat the Yankees. Yes. Uh, but I mean, any series here strike you as particularly interesting? Blue Jays race. Okay. I pointed that out to you when we yep. first discussed this. I don't think we, we recorded it, but we discussed it. This Blue Jays team, even if they get bounced in two games, I mean, it is a different season altogether. But, boy, this team, this team could put it together. It's the young, it's the young nucleus on the position player side is what I look at. It's just... I know there's a lot of lineage there, but it's a lot of young talent. Guerrero, um, Biggio, Duchette, and there's one other guy. Uh, Pretty much uh, everyone's son from the mid to late 90s right. they have on that team. But also uh, uh, Tosco Hernandez, who plays the outfield, really good, really coming around. Uh, Guerrero Jr. Yes, L'Oreal's Guerrero uh, Jr. I always put you that poor guy's name. Sorry, but yeah, he's he's – he started off slow, but he, he caught on real – he's on fire towards the end. Acquired a few pitchers in the trading deadline. Robbie Ray and – Tavon Walker looks like an entirely new pitcher. That's entirely new pitcher. You look at his stat line from, from Diamondbacks to the Jays, it is night and day. Oh, absolutely. So maybe he figured something out, and now you have your stud pitcher. I I, I don't know. All I know is 162 games with those, te- with those players, boy – if the Red Sox can't fix the, fix their stuff, we know what the Baltimore Orioles are. The Rays are always in flux. Would you agree with that? Sure. I mean, they're a small market; they really don't pay anybody. Right. So you, you could go into any season looking at them, saying, "Yeah, they could win. Oh, 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 they could lose ninety games." And the Yankees are the Yankees. They're gonna, unless they get too old, they usually are hanging in there. So this Blue Jays team right now. Which I, I guess you could start it, officially start it, last year. Could have a nice run in them, especially now that they're in year two, you could say, of uh, this process. And I don't want to call it the process. No, they'll lose right away if you do. Correct. Um, but just keep building that pitching staff, and, and this team could be scary. So that's, that is the... Series I'm looking at, even though it could be over tomorrow, like you said. Yeah, I think, to your point, if this was a regular length season at 162 games, I still firmly believe this is a Blue Jays team that could compete. I think that's what you were trying to say, is, yeah, it's a shortened season, whatever, however you want to, you know, however however you want to add that up, but, or, or um, for whatever that's worth. 
But at the same point, when I said a couple episodes ago about might be an asterisk for whoever wins, you made the good point of, well, why? Everyone's on the same playing field. Right. And that's that's a good point. And I think these Blue Jays are a very, very promising team going forward because they have these guys under club control for some number of years. Uh, pitchers like Walker should be affordable, even for a team like the Blue Jays who don't necessarily spend a lot of money. I think this is absolutely a team that's going to compete with the Rays and more than likely the Yankees as long as some of these bigger contracts can live up to it for the Yankees for the next four to six years at least. Yeah. Uh, past that, you never know because contracts and arbitration, but you can usually kind of fit where players are going to be for that time frame. Uh, for me, uh, the Dodgers-Brewers, only because, uh, once again, the Dodgers are, are one of the better teams in baseball in the regular season. And the Brewers are a team that has struggled. Uh, I mean, like Christian Yelich did not have a Christian Yelich-like season this year. But, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if, in a short series, the Brewers can catch them and knock them out again. I mean, the Dodgers have spent the better part of a year and a half not complaining how they should be the champions like four years in a row because the Astros banged on a garbage can the year before they played them. So now's a chance to back it up with your $18 billion salary. Like, (laughs) if you can't win with the team you're going to put on the field in a three-game series against a struggling Brewers team, you can cancel out everything you said about how you should have been the champs the last few years. I think the scary thing for the uh, Dodgers is if Josh Hader comes in and is the Josh Hader that um, two years ago at the end of the season was just filthy, dominating every team he went up against. And I would think, in my personal view, the Brewers kind of used him too much, and that was the after effect last year. Sure. Um, This year is a little different, obviously. But he gets on. And he can just shorten that game just for two games. You go back, think of this. If he goes back to back games, three innings each, six innings from a, a premium Josh Hader just puts six innings of baseball uh, with zeros for the Dodgers. And I now he was a closer. He's not. I, I Unless I, I'm obviously, I haven't really been paying attention too much this year. But last time I remember, he's in and out of, of different spots of the full uh, huh. I, I was always knew he was a closer, but no, he they were using him a lot. Huh. Like they would use him for two, three innings sometimes, just because they they were one of the they, they were you you could pair them with the Rays as the teams that kind of piloted the opener. Yeah, but yeah, hater. Regardless, I just got indigestion. <laughs> Regardless, if they're still using him that way, you put six innings on the board of zeros in two games with Hader. I mean, that could shut the door on the Dodgers. And now you now you're the Dodgers. And you got essentially swept in two games by a lackluster Brewers team. Boy, that's gonna have to make you rethink. Your roster construction again, who you're paying, and who you have to ship out of town. Because I, there's only so much you can do with this team 
each and every year. You've added Mookie Betts this past offseason. There's not really much else you can do unless you're going to add an, uh, another premium arm with Clayton Kershaw maybe going out. Um, I don't know. All I know is I think it's a good series to point out, but the Dodgers, if they get swept, you know, Dave, there was rumors about Dave Roberts getting getting the boot after last year. They get swept in two games, he's gone. I don't care if they get swept or not. If they lose a series, he's in danger. All the crap they've talked, all the money they've put into this team, if they do anything less than walk away with a World Series trophy, hmm. his job's in jeopardy, which is ridiculous because, I mean, good but, managers are good managers do not just grow on trees. Right. And he clearly has something working for this team. I would blame the front office for not putting together a team on the field that actually has chemistry. You can put together an all-star team all you want. But that's not gonna. Re- it's not gonna equal championships. Without without digging too much into eighteen, because eighteen is the most relevant to us, because we 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 experienced it, we know it. Taking Cody Bellinger off the field at any point in that series was, yeah, a it was mistake. ridiculous. Yeah, taking Matt Muncy out of the series at any point was a mistake, because they were playing matchups. So really, not just the front office, that that department down the the hallway. Sabermetrics department should also be fired for all their. Well, I think we firmly believe they should all be. Yeah. Not fired. I don't want to see anyone lose their job, but maybe just uh, repurposed, maybe. Yeah. Maybe so, put them in the, the, the coffee shop in the, the park or something on the concourse. But, I mean, we'll see what happens. Yeah. It'll be interesting either way, but I, I don't. The Dodgers, it, it's all it's all or nothing for the Dodgers. All, all they've talked, all they've spent. Like it's getting to the point now where it, it's almost like a non-running joke. They they wanted you know that the biggest slap in the face would be if they made it to the NLCS and they I don't know if the, how the brackets lay out. <laughs> they lose to the Astros in the World Series again. Well, no, I was thinking they make it, <laughs> they make it to the NLCS and they face the Padres and the Padres sweep them. Yeah, I mean that would just be poetic. Yeah, a young upcoming team, although albeit another have, trash can in sight. They they do have Manny Machado, but I like their roster construction so. We'll have to see what happens. All right, on to some NFL news from week three. Uh, this morning, apparently, due to some uh, positive tests that came back for COVID, uh, the Tennessee Titans and Minnesota Vikings were told to – I don't know if they were already at the facilities or not, but the facilities were closed for precautionary reasons. Eight members of the Titans tested positive, three players and five coaches. Uh, nobody on the Vikings has. Nobody else around the league has. Uh, this appears that maybe a player or two or a coach got it and obviously spread somewhat. Um, I mean, uh, supposedly everybody else is testing negative and they're going to retest everybody to confirm results as they have been the entire time. Even they even retested negative tests just to make sure. So all games scheduled are are still scheduled to take place on week four. They said the Titans and uh, I believe the Steelers, Pittsburgh, I believe they're playing. Uh, yes, are yeah. uh, are still on. Um, they've obviously those affected have been sent home, and the NFL said obviously any medical, you know, any medical attention they need to be provided for them, be sent home to rest and, and rehabilitate and get better. And uh, everyone, they've been doing contact tracing, so everybody they may have come in contact with will be tested as well. 
I mean, the NFL, this this is why they do so many tests. People kind of laughed. And we actually, we, you and I somewhat questioned in the beginning why so many tests. But I think after seeing how well it's worked so far, this is why. I mean, because if, say, they didn't test after the game, they just test the next week. When you have three players who have it who are going to practice every day, right. then an entire team has it. Right. Then if they don't catch one of those people, then somebody else, another team has it. This is why they test all throughout the week. They test the day before. They test the day after. They, uh, you know, even if a player uh, wasn't near anybody who had it, but he's not feeling well, they'll test test them. Yeah. Precautionary, just to be safe. Uh, so, I mean, good for the league. They seem to have actually done the right thing. Um Maybe MLB should take some pointers from them. But, I mean, this – you have another point about this. This will be a good test for them to see if they can actually control it. But I'll, I'm not going yeah, yeah, to steal your thunder here. That's where I'm going. It's this is, your, this is your point in the season where it could make or break it. This could be – we know what happened with the, the St. Louis Cardinals, the Miami Marlins. And we thought – I, I know for sure, me, and I know you, you weren't so much on that side, but you you were kind of kind of getting there that it was going to end the season. Oh, I was I was on it fully toward a couple weeks in. Absolutely, it didn't happen. Um, but this is what you want your organization to do. Yeah, you want them to take it seriously, be thorough, not be haphazard about it, not be well, we'll 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 test when we feel like it. Not No, we're going to test test here, test here, test here, test here, make sure everyone is safe and secure. And I think and honestly, if looking at this from a different perspective, I I am not here to judge any of the players that opted out. You opted out because you had legit reasons. I'm all for that. But I wonder if some of them, if they had concerns about the process, the testing process and all that, they now look at this and say, and, and, and when we get to the end result of, you know, the Titans are going to play and the Vikings are going to play their games and, and nothing else transpires. It's like, did I make the right choice opting out because I had concerns about the process, whether it be because I wasn't getting the information properly, um, the information wasn't out in time manner or were they looking at MLB and what they were doing? And they, so I don't want to criticize them. No, I'm just saying, no. I'm just saying, do this is an interesting point where they could look at it and say, did I make the right choice? I think at the end of the day, I don't, I don't think anyone's going to second guess that because a lot of these players, either like some players who were cancer survivors, right had a compromised immune system, didn't want to take a chance. Right. Some players had older relatives at home, had a significant other who had a medical condition, had young children at home. So there's absolutely no way anybody, anybody who opted out for those reasons would second guess for anything because you're keeping people who matter to you safe. And it is as cheesy as it sounds, you can't put a dollar sign on that. So, I mean, MLB might try, but NFL seems to actually – take care of their players that opted out. Right. I know I know. if you just opted out, I think it was you got $150,000 for the year, which I, I should tell them I opted out too. I mean, I wouldn't mind. I, again, yeah. we're going to go over this again. You're not in the NFLPN. No, because I opted out. Um, 
And then I think if you actually had a pre-existing condition, you got more. You got a uh, 350. So, I mean, taking care of their guys who weren't able to play for whatever reason. So good for them. Good, good on them for that. I only bring it up because I, I case in point, Nick Marcus opted out, then opted back in, played, and then opted out. Well, not I don't know. I think they sent him home because he got COVID. Like he was back and forth. Yeah. So that's why I only brought it up because it's like you had somebody who clearly had concerns, but what kind of concerns were they? Were they legit concerns? I don't know. All I'm just saying is is if you take someone like Nick Marcakis, who clearly didn't, I guess, have that elderly person they were watching over, the loved one that had a health concern or a dramatic health concern of their own, are they are they second guessing themselves? I don't know. I mean, I doubt anybody who plays in the NFL. I mean, unless you were somebody who made under that amount of money or right around that amount of money, and you're like, oh, I'll just sit at home for the next year and heal up and get paid for it. I mean, maybe that person might regret it because they want to play and they want to be progressing their career. But anybody who opted out for a legitimate medical concern or a concern for others around them, I get what you're saying, but I, I doubt they would. And it's just nice to see. You know, because the NFL took care of the money for these people early. Like, yeah, if you opt out, you're going to be taken care of. It's okay. It wasn't about money. And you know how crazy NFL teams are about practicing. And it's, you know, a year-round job now. It's not, You don't just go home for four or five months and then not do anything and then come back to training camp in whatever shape year-round for these guys. Now, Titans came out today and said, well, if, you know, we're not able to practice all week, and we have to just go play this game without practicing. And we're no excuses. We're just going to do that. Like we're not going to put ourselves, our teammates, our families in danger if this could potentially be something that is yeah. some kind of contamination. Which I would I would assume the reason they shut down facilities to send in cleaning crews, really scrub it, clean it, make sure everything's on the up and up, and then send them back in in a few days when everything's clear. But it's it, it's good to see with so much money on the line. I mean, obviously, money's a factor. But it's not what they're bringing up first, like in baseball's case. Yeah, it's 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 nice to see. I don't know. Also nice to see the Bears finally make a good decision. Yes, Chicago Bears after benching Mitchell Trubisky, uh, the great Mitchell Trubisky, the Mitchell Trubisky drafted ahead of Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, and traded up with significant draft capital by the Bears to get that was benched. Halfway through, about halfway through Sunday's game against the, what are they playing again? The uh, Falcons. That's yeah. right. Yeah, the Falcons. And we'll get to that. We'll get to the Falcons in just a moment. But he, uh, he benched them, brought in Nick Foles, former Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP, Nick Foles, and promptly led a comeback against the hapless Falcons. And Foles threw an interception on his first possession. And after that, threw three touchdowns, looked great, was named the starter on Monday. I don't see a situation unless Nick Foles has completely lost it where not only Trubisky comes back in, but is even with the Bears next year. Well, he's, he's got um, he's got a contract further, so I think Nick Foles is definitely. Well, it didn't stop him from pe- keeping him on a bench. That's true. That's what I'm saying. And I can bring Trubisky back. Oh, no. That's what I said. Oh, sorry. I was, I was looking at that. 
I phased out. For I mean, we're second. doing a podcast here. I mean, if you want I, me to share it off, at, we can. I was looking at the stats for the the receivers. I was trying to. Oh, I was going to say, you want to get, get some popcorn or something, or enjoy the show. I do have some popcorn, but no, no. I was okay. I, you were go, you were you were um you're intimating on the um the rundown of who benefits the most. I was kind of trying to get ahead of it. I think two people very clearly. Yeah, I think there's there's. I think we probably think the same two people who benefit most from Nick Foles being in instead of Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, it's Robinson and Graham. Yeah. No. 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 Robinson and David Montgomery. Because here's the thing. You're going to need a quarterback who can make a good decision. True. Okay. You're going to need a quarterback who can go through his options, read through his options, and not panic. And actually, you know, hit the receiver when it's time to throw. So with three coming out, even Montgomery's role in the passing game just got increased. See, I wasn't see. I was not factoring in Nagy was actually going to be intelligent and use Montgomery in the passing game. I just assumed he was going to bring somebody else in. Well, Nagy might not, but Foles will be. Okay, and he's going to see him in his checkdowns, and he's going to check down to Montgomery. Look, even if Montgomery gets five or six catches a game, that's it's huge. I mean, this is a guy who can catch, and he can run after the catch, and he can run from the backfield. He can do it all. He should be a primary focus on that offense. With Tariq Cohen there, you know, and you don't wish anything bad on people. Unfortunately, Tariq Cohen got injured, tore his ACL. He's yeah. out for the year. That's a shame. He's a very exciting player. But with Foles in, not only does Allen Robinson have a quarterback who can now, oh, yeah. I mean, Allen Robinson was a top, top receiver with a completely erratic and inconsistent Mitchell Trubisky. Now that he actually has Nick Foles who can hit a target, I mean, this this guy could be top five receiver in the league. And now you add in Montgomery, who's going to have somebody to throw to him out of the backfield. He's going to get more options. I mean, they'll bring in somebody else. They have somebody else. But he's going to see his workload step up. Do you know who the third running back has been? I do not. Cordell Cordell Patterson. Okay, so they have a wide receiver slash running back. at. Yes. And look, they'll, they'll probably put some things in the game plan to incorporate him as well. I'm not, I'm not saying all of a sudden. No, no, Cordell Patterson has been like – it's been one, two, three with actually Cohen's. Uh, Patterson's been getting more runs than Cohen, right? Because Cohen is more of the receiving back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think they need to bring someone in to be that between the tackle runner, so that that alleviates Montgomery a little bit because then they can utilize him more in the passing game. Right, and that'll. I know I say this about a lot of players, but when I see that talent, that ability to be a playmaker. Miles Sanders, David Montgomery, Devin Singletary. You see the pattern there, right? Oh, yeah. Young, loads of ability, passing game and rushing game. Like a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. J.K. Dobbins. Yep. DeAndre Swift, I don't know. They didn't do a lot of passing in college. I know know Jonathan Taylor is a stud, and he can do it all. Just Wisconsin really didn't do much of uh, the passing game. But back to my point is if there's something you can uh, take off the plate of that excellent player, it's get between the tackles. Get somebody who can be between the tackles. You're Latavius Murray to your Alvin Kamara. I know okay, that's Lata- what you're saying, yeah. I know Latavius is not great. Well, that way when they're in the game, you don't know what they're going to do. Right. You know they're not in just the run, which I think was – kind of getting to be the case with Montgomery and Cohen, which was Cohen was in. He was, I mean, they handed off to him a few times a game, but he was mainly the receiving back. 
and I'm not saying all of a sudden Montgomery's going to get 15 targets a game, and he's not going to all of a sudden be Alvin Kamara, but he could, he would definitely see an uptick in targets. They'll definitely be able to move around yeah. a little bit more. I absolutely agree with you. You bring in somebody else, you bring in a third because you don't want you don't want your backup to just be Cordero Patterson. No, that's not if something would happen to Montgomery. He's not a number one running back. He's actually listed as a running back and receiver. You're gonna want to bring somebody else, and I'm sure they will. But I really think this benefits Montgomery a lot. And Robinson, Allen Robinson, must be. I mean, he must have been dancing ever since they announced Nick Foles was a starter. I mean, I don't know what his stat line was before uh, Mitchie three picks left the game, but he ended with 10, 10, 123, and one touchdown. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure a lot of that happened with Foles. And this guy was still a Pro Bowl caliber receiver, even with Trubisky. So when you got a guy who can consistently target and hit him, man, he's going to go. If you want Allen Robinson in fantasy? You just got really happy because his stock just went way up. And he wants a contract. Yeah, well, that's going to motivate him even more. So maybe they can give him Trubisky's contract. Well, I mean, we talked about the good from that game, Chris. I, th- I think we need to identify the, the issue. I said it last week, and yes. this is not a repeat. Yes. Can you name a more iconic duo than the Falcons and blowing a big lead? Uh, now? No, I can't. Again. A week after they had an epic meltdown against the Cowboys in a game they had in hand, they blew a lead to the Bears. They were up by, oh, what was it, 14 points with under five minutes to go? Something like that. And they ended up losing? I mean, we talked a lot last year and in the offseason about how Falcons coach Dan Quinn had had his job saved by the way that the Falcons played down the stretch last year. They played really, really well. I am surprised he still has a job right now. I agree. Falcons are 0-3. The defense, I mean, to say the Falcons' defense is almost an oxymoron because I don't think they have one, not after the second quarter at least. And I guess when asked about it today, uh, I don't know if the GM or offensive coordinator said a question about how they weren't really trying to wear down the clock with the ball in the last five minutes. I guess he said, well, I mean, there was still so much. Uh, wouldn't have mattered. There's still so much time left. It's like, wh- what? the the main the, the main strategy of this chess game we call football is to possess the ball, get the lead, yes. and wear down the clock. Yeah, and it's usually how you pull it off. You have running backs. You have offensive linemen. Um, they receive line money. Them up. They receive money. Yeah, line them week up to run do a job, and at least take. With with the forty seconds for each play, at least take the two minutes off the clock that you could have. But I I, I don't know that Falcons team. Man, losing to the Patriots in the Super Bowl really did a number on them. They have not looked like an even serviceable NFL team since that game. I I don't know what happened. I don't know how to describe it because. There's still a lot of talent on that team on paper. Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage look like stars in the making. Well, Ridley is. Gage looks like it. Right. Julio Jones is one of the best of his generation. Hayden Hurst has played absolutely fine this year. That was a, that was a great acquisition. Absolutely. Whatever the the I think it was a second round pick, right? Yes. That's com- that's fair compensation for what Hayden Hurst is doing, and you even had. Great production from Todd Gurley. 
Decent production from Brian Hill. 144 yards rushing for a game. That's not bad. It's not the best, but it's not bad. 5.8 yards a carry. But you only had, and you only had 20, 25 carries, two of them. One was by a receiver, one was by Matt Ryan. But, and I understand you need to conserve Todd Gurley's carries because the knees could go. Sure. But you also need to win a game. And currently the Falcons do not have a win. Speaking of that, next on our rundown here. I mean, this team is winless, but hey, hey. I enjoy this so much. But this team is having fun. If you ask Lane Johnson right now, the Philadelphia Eagles, the 0-3 Eagles are having fun because that to them is more important than winning Lane Johnson. Having fun. This team is a mess. Carson Wentz looks awful. Yes. And even even before, Dean, seemingly the entire receiving core got injured again. Uh, this team had no offensive flow. They did not look good. They don't appear to know how to use Miles Sanders in any fashion, despite him being an elite talent. Once, I mean, <laughs> last week the Eagles were at home, and they, they've been able to play during crowd noise. Once played so bad, they had him booed at home by the fake crowd noise. That's that's some cold stuff right there. I mean, that's that's the city of brotherly love. I I don't I don't I don't. That's not showing a lot of love, but. What what is what is wrong with this team? Like, it, we, we 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 touted them all off season for, we, for making bringing receivers in, absolutely. making good moves. Absolutely, you brought. I mean, that's a steal of the off season, with the exception of uh, DeAndre Hopkins of the Cardinals for a bag of balls. The steal of the off season was a third and a fifth for uh, um, Darius Slay. Darius Slay, and they're zero and three, and they just look lost. Look, look, if you had any amount of reliability towards Alshon Jeffries producing for you this season, that was a mistake. Jalen Rager, it sucks that the kid got injured. Yeah. It sucks. Um, Deshaun's playing. Deshaun's out again. He got hurt last game, hamstring. Oh, boy. Nice. I, um, you, you acquired Marquis. Goodwin from the 49ers. And then he opted out. So I don't know what to tell you, Eagles fans. You're screwed. You're, you're screwed, not in the sense that you're not going to win the division because that division is wide open. Yeah, nobody wants to win that division. They're but trying as far to play as, hot with it again. As far as making it out of the uh, wild card round, you, you're not you're not making it there. So I hate to tell you this, and I know I bash on Carson Wentz and Carson Wentz a lot, and I know I'm biased towards him. But the evidence is on the field. He turned. He has turned the ball over way too many times this season to be an adequate starting quarterback. What was it? Three or four years ago, when he came out, and he looked like the league, league MVP to right. start to start yeah. the season. He looked absolutely incredible before he, you know, tried. Doing the Elway helicopter dive over the uh, over the goal line and ended up tearing tearing his ACL in the air, which is to me still I don't know how that happens, but he found a way to do it. And he has not been the same player since. He's like decreased in, in ability every single year. 
This is still a young guy with a lot of money on the contract. And the thing that's got to suck for Eagles fans, in all seriousness, I know we made a lot of jokes about Lane Johnson running his mouth, but we have fun here. And he's still an idiot for that. I don't take that back. But this is the team you're stuck with. Yeah. Like, we, we you're, in, you're in salary cap purgatory. You have no room to make moves. And your team that you have spent all this money on is barely competitive on the field. What are you going to do? Like, what do you, you wait for these contracts to run out? You try to move them? Like, what, what are you going to do? That, it, you can't. You can't because you need to put a product on the field because when those fans come back, you know what they're going to give it to them. You know they're going to give them grief each and every time they step foot on the field. <laughs> they keep playing like this. They're going to tell them week 14 yeah. that they can come back and it's still going to be an empty stadium. I've, I wouldn't blame them. Carson Wentz has accounted for nine turnovers in three weeks. And that my, is, Miles Sanders right now is being wasted there. That is that is insane. He's accounted for five touchdowns and nine turnovers. And when we get to our MVP picks, you're going to look at what a real quarterback looks like. Because this is not it. Spoiler. Would have ruined it. Then I have no reason to listen to the rest of it. Now, when Doug Peterson says there's no plans to bench Wentz. They said that would be a knee-jerk reaction. I don't think it would be a knee-jerk reaction, but I don't think they'd do any better with Jalen Hurts in there, so why do it? Well, unless you're going to – Unless you're installing more and more things that look like what Jalen Hurts can do, you're not going to do much better. You but might maybe you get a game or two out of Jalen Hurts before there's more film on Jalen Hurts, and then it and then it just comes back to yeah he can't do it because he can't do this he can't follow his reads he can't. But there's no way. I I, I understand that this is the offense that they knew they had and they can't even put one of those on the field. Never mind. Trying to put rebuild it completely with Jalen Hurts in there, I, I, it's not going to work. It's just not. What, what, what you, like you can't even. I, I wouldn't even install the option offense. Thinking, oh well, we have we have Boston Scott, and we got Miles Sanders. Um, maybe we can make something work with Jalen Hurts. Option doesn't work in the NFL consistently on a down in down out basis. Not unless you have like a. Um, even with Lamar. Lamar, yeah. Even now, yeah, as even you saw last Lamar, night, if they can rush the passer, that's still a problem. If you're showing that's all you're going to do, and the defense is going to say, okay, well, we'll stack nine in the box, right. and good luck with that. So, honestly, there's really no hope, except for the fact that Dallas doesn't want to win the division. The Giants are god-awful. Yeah, they are really bad. And the Washington football team, you don't know what they I mean, are. They got, they got, they got fight in them. They yeah, got Ron I, Rivera out there, give, Riverboat Ron coaching them. I mean, they're gonna put an effort for, it, but they're not, they're not gonna win this division. I mean, unless you think an eight and eight team is in Washington, I don't know if they have. I don't know if they're eight and eight, but they just. Well, they got six games against this division, so it's possible. It's possible. It's possible. I mean, I, I don't think so, but. <laughs> The scary thing is, is they can go all through. I don't. Yeah, actually, they could. All four teams could go five hundred, and then now you're looking at what did they do outside of the division? I think the Giants getting the five hundred is optimistic. Oh, in, I mean in the division. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I don't. I don't see. I, don't, I think they're going to be hot. It's going to be down to the last game again. It's going to be hot potato for who wants to win that division the least. I mean, I, <laughs> like the Eagles. The Eagles are zero three. 
The Giants are 0 3. The football team, the Washington football team, yeah. is 1 2. I believe that's the same record as um, the Cowboys, 1 2. So, I mean, this is not this is not the best. This is not the NFC uh, South. It is the polar opposite of the AFC right now, where, like I like I like I said, the Ravens and the Chiefs are going to have problems meeting up in the AFC Championship game, where they might meet up earlier. The winner of the N- of the NFC East, whoever they face, is going to get run. I mean, I don't know who it's going to be yet, and and we still have we still have a lot of football on the field to play, and things could change. Players could get injured. Players could elevate their performance. Carson Wentz could figure out how to not give the ball to the other team, but my instinct says, for some reason, the Eagles team are going to win the division. I don't know how. Well, they put Dallas Goddard on IL, IR too. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I mean, just, not not the most key factor, but he's a very nice compliment to to Zach Ertz on that at the tight end position. It, it pulls coverage is because Dallas Goddard has is so big and lanky, lanky. He demands some attention, so that way Ertz can get open a little bit. Like we discussed, though, uh, Zach Ertz is not upper echelon. He's not Kelsey or Kittle or, or well, we'll see who Mark Andrews is after the remainder of this year. Last year, he was really good. This year, he's not been great. But some people have been great. We have our way-too-early award predictions. Now, it's probably foolish to do this after week three, but we figured it'd be fun. Why not? We're gonna we're gonna read them off to you. We're gonna give you a short description. Nothing too crazy. We're not gonna make this a, a dissertation here, but we'll you know a couple of sentences about why we picked this guy. We're gonna do offensive and defensive rookie of the year, offensive and defensive player of the year, and uh, MVP league MVP. Uh, we could have done coach, but it's kind of hard to tell. Players actually playing the field, so you can kind of get a better gauge of that. Yeah. It's kind of tougher with coaches. We'll probably we've revisited this somewhere around week eight or nine, around the halfway point. Yeah, and I think then we can probably take a good estimate at the coach, and we'll keep our initial uh, predictions, but we'll also update them to now. I feel this way. Where do you want to start? I think we close with MVP. I think we close with MVP. I agree. We'll start with um, defensive player of the year. Okay, we got mine's a little out there. Usually is. No, it's not a knock. You just go deeper into the into the weeds to find your defensive stats. That's all. So, I'm going Mike Hilton, cornerback, Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. And like like I went through last year with Logan Ryan, making my case for Logan Ryan to be defensive player of the year, which didn't come to fruition. I thought it was crazy until I actually looked at the stats, and then I'm like, damn, dude, he got a point. <laughs> He'd get my vote. I mean, he didn't win, but the, the, the case was made. Um, Mike Hilton. Now, now there's been three games. He's gotten two starts the last two games. He's got 21 tackles, four tackles for a loss, four quarterback hits, an interception, three pass deflections, a, four, a formal recovery, and two sacks. Pretty good. I mean, that's that's effect up and down the stat line. And I understand that they have J.J. Watt. They're boasting 
Devin Bush in the, in the linebacking core. And when they did they get JJ? TJ. I always do that. And they and they have uh, Mika Fitzpatrick in the secondary um, with Mike Hilton. I I want to see where he goes, but I think, and it's just my opinion. I just look at someone who is affecting the game in every aspect of the stat line. Tells me that he's he's bringing more to the field than what the stat line is actually saying. And it's kind of the um, on the same parallel as if you're looking at Vince Wolfork, where he didn't really have a stat line, but you knew his impact because you watched what he did on the field. Right. I think I'm going to start looking at Mike Hilton a little bit more when I look at the Pittsburgh Steelers and see, is he having that effect because he's gotten, he's getting so many stats or is it just, opportunities ringing because like I said they're uh they have Hayward they have TJ Watt they have Devin Bush Mika Fitzpatrick they have Joe Hayden on the other side of the corner I'm just oh and Bud Dupree like and I know I'm not high high on Bud Dupree but he still is an right still makes impact so is he just making um making good on the opportunities again I'll have to see well, uh, it sounds like he's had a nice start to the season so far. I'm going to go with his teammate, uh, the aforementioned Watt, being TJ, linebacker for the Steelers. Uh, I think he should have been considered more for a player, the defensive player of the year last season. He does it all. He defends passes. He hits like a truck, causes forced fumbles, got a few interceptions, rushes the passer. He's your all-around linebacker, your modern-day all-around linebacker, not just the guy who lines up and tries to hit the quarterback as many times as possible, which nothing wrong with that if you're effective, but this guy is, uh, is as key to that defense up front as a guy like Fitzpatrick or even Hilton could be to the secondary. And can you imagine, kind of a downer here, but can you imagine how good this defense would be with all these guys and still had Ryan Chazier? Devin Bush wouldn't be there. Maybe not, but you'd swap out well, Bush I mean, for Shazier. You're, you're, yeah, mean, you're swapping Devin Bush for Ryan Shazier. I mean. That's that's that, a Ravens early 2000 caliber <clears throat> defense right there. Like the, the, what Everything we've just said in our, our defensive player of the year is why I mentioned earlier the Ravens need to be concerned about the Pittsburgh Steelers. They... This offseason systematically built up their team again. And I, I'll reference it again that they drafted another wide receiver and the kid's producing. And I'm telling you, his built, the way he looks, the way he looks on the field, and how he's complimenting uh, Deontay Johnson, James Washington, and Juju. You're talking he's, about Claypool. Yeah, I'm talking yeah. about Chase Claypool. He's looking more and more like Plexico Burst. All right, what do you got next? So defensive rookie of the year. So I'm going to go with Chase Young right now. Football team defensive end. Yes. But he did leave last uh, last Sunday's game with a groin injury. Who knows how long it's going to be. Um, I don't know if it came out or not yet. Uh, pretty sure it didn't. But regardless of how long it's going to be, his campaign for defensive rookie of the year is probably over. 
Uh, yeah, if he, he misses any time, it will be. Yeah, he's got two and a half sacks, forced fumble, which <clears throat> happened on Carson Wentz. So I did enjoy that one a little bit, even though he is from Ohio State. All right, um, we got we got our Wentz passion segment in already. Let's let's move on. Um, but I think when we revisit this in about week eight, week nine, it's going to be someone totally different. Yeah, it'll probably be my guy. I'm going to name right here, Ravens linebacker Patrick Queen. I don't look comparing anybody to Ray Lewis is ridiculous, but I could say I can see this guy being a Terrell Suggs. Terrell which, Suggs. Terrell Suggs also Hall of Famer. Yes, but I don't think anybody defensively compares to Ray Lewis. Honestly, uh, as a fan of a different team, I did not like him when he played, and Ray Ray Ray's a little out there, but uh, I mean just just ability on the field, the second to none, and. I can see a guy like Patrick Queen, like I said, not not being at Ray Lewis's level because you can never you can never predict that. But you watch the way this guy moves around the field. I mean, the Ravens' offense didn't play great yesterday, and the Ravens' defense got beat around pretty good. But this is a high caliber defense. Don't let yesterday fool you. This guy runs around the field. He seem, he was seemingly everywhere. He plays the majority of snaps. He's already got a sack. He rushes the passer. You know, I saw him in some coverage. I mean, he's still a rookie. We're not we're not saying who's going to be the absolute most valuable defender. That's what we just talked about before. Right. Talking about who's going to be the best rookie. So where he's going to go, I don't know. But I think he's going to have the stats and the uh, effect on the game to justify winning the award as of right now. And I, th- I think with both rookie um, categories, we, we talked about this. It was a little tough trying to find the best candidate right now. They didn't have training camp. They didn't have preseason yeah. games. They didn't have the time that a typical rookie. So you don't have that rookie effect, especially wide receiver, which I'm really disappointed in the wide receiver class at this moment. They have time to improve. But I think we're just maybe week eight, week nine, we we, we see where we're at again. Uh, maybe some of these – uh, safeties that were drafted late first round, early second round, really pick it up. Yeah, um, I liked what I saw from Jeff Akuda this weekend, but he got injured. So now you have two top. It was a hamstring too, wasn't it? I think it was. a lot of hamstring injuries. It's like two top five picks in this draft. Yeah, are at least out for a little bit. So maybe your your guy just wins by attrition. To be honest. Um, but we'll see. We'll have to see. Who you got next? Offensive player of the year, Nick Chubb. Okay. For the sake of my fantasy teams, I hope you're correct. He has two straight 100-plus yard games, and he's got two touchdowns in both games that they won. Wait, you mean when the Browns make him the centerpiece of their offense, they find success? Exactly. If only I knew someone who's been saying that for the last two years. I think – uh I think he's right across from yeah, me. Yeah, I see him when I look in the mirror. It's disappointing that it 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 takes us who, you know, we know fantasy, we know the game, we don't know the game like supposedly the Cleveland staff knows or the former Cleveland. I could have run that team better than Freddie Kitchens last year. I will go to my grave saying <laughs> that. So yeah, but we're but qualified. It, it it shouldn't take us to point out to the Cleveland Browns, hey, if you you give Nick Chubb the ball X number of times and he gets over 100 yards 
and at least one touchdown, if not two, you're going to win the game. And it makes in Kareem Hunt so he doesn't get he doesn't get exhausted. Like right. they're not just beating him down either. Like he gets a decent amount of carries. He's effective. He my scores. Problem, and my problem was in week one, they didn't use him enough to make him effective. And then of course you have the other factor is well, we're we're paying Jarvis Landry. We're we're paying Odell Beckham Jr. We have Baker Mayfield. Well, we gotta make the offense work. We gotta make the passing game work. We gotta make it worth the money we're spending on them. Well, then you're probably not going to win the division and you're going to waste a supreme talent in Nick Chubb. Well, mine is a guy who I think is actually an assassin and is off time. And I'll explain why. Alvin Kamara of the New Orleans Saints. Now I say that because I believe it was two weeks ago. I sat here when talking about Miles Sanders, and I said he could be a top three all-around back in the game. All-around back. He's not a Nick Chubb who's going to run up you know, the middle for you know 20 times and get 150 rushing yards. But he's a guy who can catch, can run, complete package. And I said, Kamara, the only ones Kamara, uh, the only ones that Sanders, or better than Sanders, would be CMC and Saquon Barkley. Well, that weekend, uh, CMC goes down for four to six weeks. Correct. Um, com- um, poor Saquon ends up tearing his ACL. He's out for the season. Uh, I mentioned that Zeke might have been a threat to that. And Zeke is apparently just, they forgot they have him in Dallas because Dak just throws 75 times a game. And they Zeke gets almost nothing. And Miles Sanders is stuck in purgatory up in Philadelphia being the only weapon with a team that doesn't know how to use him. So I think Kamara has either an assassin or he knows black magic or something. Ooh, down in New Orleans. I don't know. That's a thing down there. Voodoo. 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 Yeah. I don't I mean, it's, it's I don't possible. Know. But I mean, in all seriousness, I mean, that was obviously a joke. Uh, Kamara, I don't want to say process of elimination, but having all those other potential players miss time or be on inept teams certainly – Helps Kamara's case. Also, the uh, Saints defense does not appear to be as effective this year as it has the past few years. Now, that could change, but as of now, they're kind of struggling. So the Saints are coming back a lot. They don't have Michael Thomas right now. Maybe this weekend, maybe next weekend. Still up in the air. Kamara, he can run it. He can catch it. I think he's proving that he really was. He really did have some kind of injury last year that kind of restricted him because his first two seasons, he was incredible. Struggled last year. He has Latavius Murray, who can act in the Mark Ingram role in that offense. And Kamara is thriving again. I think even when Michael Thomas comes back, he's going to be absolutely integral. That's a Thomas and Kamara offense. They are the focal points. The Saints are smart enough to know that. You're going to keep seeing this guy put up crazy numbers. And I don't know. Again, this is just player of the year. This is the most valuable offensive weapon. This has nothing to do with wins, losses, championships. This is strictly, look at all the pretty numbers. And Kamara can put up a lot of them. What do you got next? Offensive rookie of the year. And I believe we chose... We have the same person, yes. James Robinson. Again, I made the point earlier. Disappointed in the wide receiving class right now. now. Um, Joe Burrow might make an argument, though. Joe might make an argument. Joe Burrow's playing really well right now. Yeah. And unfortunately, offensive linemen really don't factor into this yeah it's always stats based and tight end position was not glamorous this 
this draft. So it's really down to. Don't you sleep on Dalton Keene? I will sleep on Dalton Keene, yes. Um, but James Robinson, I mean, even when I picked him to tank last week, he went out yeah. and put two in the end zone at least. So he's productive on an 0 3 team. Well, they need him. And he's undrafted. He's an undrafted free agent, rookie. And they traded, or they know, I'm sorry. They released Leonard Fournette before the season started. Yeah. So they obviously they saw something in this kid that they thought they could use. I mean, the Jaguars aren't going to be a very good team record wise this year. But I made this point on my other podcast that, you know, cheap plug, fantasy football advocate, give it a shot wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Um, I made this point where Gardner Minshew, and I'm not trying to rip on Gardner Minshew. The guy has very little to work with, and he has that mustache weighing him down too. So he's already he's in a handicap already before he even starts playing. That's true. Um, but he he seems to have like Baker Mayfield syndrome, where either he just throws to the check down immediately, or he misses three guys in the middle of the field that are wide open to throw 30 yards downfield. And he doesn't have DJ Shark to throw to right now. He has some talent on receiver, but not a lot of consistency. Right. Shark is very good, but the rest of those guys are mediocre. So Robinson is going to get a lot of opportunity. Yeah. And they're going to use this kid, whether they're running up, you know, a few occasions this year they have the lead and they're running the ball to try to wear down clock, or they're trying to catch up, which is more likely, and they're throwing to him. He is going to be a part of the offense. I saw a good six, seven, eight plays on the final drive, two drives the other day, and there were only four or five play drives each by the Jaguars. He was involved in just about every one of them. He's showing that you don't always have to be a top draft pick to be effective. Right. So far, so good. And I, I, I'd i like to see who the last undrafted free agent was to win NFL Rookie of the Year, offensive or defensive. Wouldn't it be Terrell Davis? Could have been. It's a long time ago. That was late 90s? Yeah. Oh, you're talking – over 20 years since that's happened. So this kid has a chance to do, to do something really special. MVP. All right. Um, mine's short and sweet. Okay. And to the point. So that way you can have as much time as you want to make your point about your guy. Because I know we pick different people. Russell Wilson is currently the MVP. 14 touchdowns, one interception, a 76.7 completion percentage. And one stupid mistake away from having 15 touchdowns. Yeah. Oh, that's it? Oh, wow, okay. I said short and sweet. I had Kyler Murray here. I did. What I happened? Had, I had, well, nothing Kyler did wrong. Uh, but I think I think the Cardinals are, well, obviously the Cardinals are a vastly improved team. They improved vastly last year over two years ago, and they've improved vastly this year over last year. They're absolutely in the right direction. Kyler will be in the conversation. He's an incredible talent. He's going to put up great numbers this year. Uh, but uh, I got to go with Patrick Mahomes. I got to go with Patrick Mahomes because he's Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I didn't bother writing down the stats. We all know this guy puts up crazy stats. He, hasn't had a, he had some good passing yards yesterday. The first two weeks weren't exactly – well, week two actually had over 300, but that was seemingly all late in the game because the Chargers did a good job of, of slowing them down for most of it, but not enough to win. 
I mean, this guy just finds a way over and over and over again. It is ridiculous. I know this isn't breaking news how good Patrick Mahomes is, and I know most people are probably tired of hearing it. But look, when Tom Brady was in his prime, we as Patriots fans, he still loved to drill that into people how great he was right. and how the numbers he would put up. And other people got tired of it. And I always promised myself when this run ended with Brady in New England, I was not going to turn into a hater and start knocking other players just because they were so damn good. Patrick Mahomes is so good, it's not fair. And the kid's like, I don't know what he's like, 19 years old. I know he's like 25. But it's ridiculous. And to make anything, make this very clear, I love Russell Wilson. I think Russell Wilson is an absolutely insane talent. I think it's ridiculous he's never gotten the first round or first uh, a, a first I uh, MVP first vote. place MVP vote. Well, easy for me to say, right? English, man, it's confusing. Um, I don't think the fact he's not going to win is going to be his fault. He has all the talent, but I don't know if it's the air up in Seattle, if it's the way they train. If it's the water, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. But this happens. Seemingly, it's happened at least four or five times in Wilson's career. The Seahawks start off on fire. He is people's front runner for the MVP. He is, granted, not to the extent he is this year, but he's firing the ball over the field. He looks great. He's clearly the MVP of that team. And then the team falls off because they're injured. And the offensive line is getting injured. And you just saw Chris Carson go down. And they have defensive injuries. And this is a team that's already starting to lose people at key areas. Russell Wilson can only keep so much of it on his shoulders. I know. But he, you see that deep ball, man. That is... He throws the best deep ball in the game. Look, this is, this is not trying to pander to anybody. Mahomes would have had a chance to eke out Lamar Jackson for the MVP last year had he played the entire season. He was in the MVP race and he missed three and a half games. Right. That's how great this guy is. It, it's ridiculous. Russell was in the argument too. Absolutely. And then, and then injuries Lamar fell off. He like, fell off. And, and Lamar, let's be honest, Lamar just said, I'm going to take this and run with it. Literally. Literally, yeah. And it worked. So and Look, okay, I, I, I'll, I'll make this disclaimer right here. If Russell Wilson does not suffer these kind of injuries to the players around him that I think are probably going to happen because that's what always happens in Seattle. Yeah. He's the MVP. I'll say but, this. He, he still has his wide receivers and he still has his tight ends. Well, you just jinxed, jinxed DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Someone's ACL listen, just listen. slipped. Good job. I, I I can't jinx Tyler Lockett. Okay, we're best friends. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna pull up that that all that junk you said about Tyler Lockett when we first started doing this show. We're, we're, we're you did friends. nothing but dog that guy. No, not to. And we'll get the banker tank. Just, just, just in closing, I, I want to make it very, very clear how much respect I have for Russell Wilson. What a tremendous player he is. It's not again. It's not anti Russell Wilson. It's just simply Patrick Mahomes. Like the way the Chiefs are built. They can lose a couple of key offensive weapons and still be effective. The way the Seahawks are built, I mean, that Seahawks team you saw in the playoffs last year was a shell of the Seahawks team you saw in week four or five last year. Well, they're relying on Marshawn Lynch to be That's what I'm saying. No, injuries just – and you're already starting to see those injuries creep in again. I know. So, through no fault of Russell Wilson's own, he has to carry so much of the team for so long. I mean, he's only human. 
And I feel I feel the same things happen to Patrick Mahomes. He'd have the same struggles Rosen has towards the end. I really do. And I do think being up in the Pacific Northwest, I know it sounds crazy because this is a national game that's on TV every weekend. Yeah. But how many people do you know who aren't fans of West Coast teams? They'll watch the 1 o'clock games, and then they turn it off and get ready for work Monday. True. That happens. He doesn't have the exposure to a guy like Mahomes has. So, I mean, maybe it's his year this year. Maybe when we review this at week eight, I'll be singing a different tune. But right now, based on what I've seen, it's Mahomes to lose. Speaking of losing, Banker Tank. Yeah. For the second time in three weeks, you went one and five. You want to do this anymore? Yes. Okay. I mean, you sure. I don't want to embarrass you. I mean, I was only two and four, but I was still better, so I get to talk crap. Who did you? I have you at one and five. Who did you? Who did I mess mess up? I had it reversed. I had I was at two and four, and you were at one and five. It was like a golf right, and I got Tyler Lockett right. Or no, 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 no. I didn't have golf right. I accidentally put. Yeah, I was gonna say you I put him in the tank. I have it color coded. I have a, a red for um, miss and blue for hit. Oh yeah, okay. I don't know why I put golf. I don't know why I put golf for uh, for that. So yes, so. Well, that puts so that puts our our season standings at uh, Ben is six and twelve, and I am ten and ten. Correct. On a side note, we had huge fan of the show, also my mom. Yes, Tri Banker Tank. She put up her uh, her her predictions underneath the Banker Tank post, which we encourage all of you to do, and you know interact with the show. We'd love to you know go back and forth with you and talk a little trash and mm-hmm. discuss picks with you and everything. She went four and two. So maybe, maybe next week she does that again. One of us should just step down and let her be the new co host. And we'll just go do something else because we clearly, clearly with all of our research, are not doing something right. Uh, apparently not. Apparently not. So let's try to correct that this week. Give so, it a shot. all right. Um, who you got for bank this week? I got Cam Newton, Miles Sanders, and Adam Thielen. Okay. Uh, You're going to highlight. Thielen, uh, they're looking. Houston's looking to add Earl Thomas. It's a veteran move. It'll probably be an upgrade. But oh, they sent him home today. They sent him home. They sent him home Without because of the well. I don't think it was anything to do with him. The league sent out memos about up, um, being very strict on the free agent visits due to the Titans having oh. COVID cases. So he did his pre uh, his pre right. tryout screening and all that. I guess everything went fine there, but then they sent them home because they just right. didn't have. I don't know why they sent them home. So it's, it's not very it's, clear, it's, but he could still come in. I know it's it's still rumor. That's I wasn't intimating that he was already signed. Regardless, if they if they bring him in, as talented as he is, there's going to be some communication issues because he's he's going to try to be learning this playbook, learning the schemes. Their their secondary is already trash. Not their front seven, but their their secondary I, I think is trash. And the focus for the Houston defense is going to be on Dalvin Cook. It just has to be. So I think Dylan's a lock to get double digit points. I'm looking at like eight receptions for. 100 plus yards, and I think he'll get in the end zone. Hmm, okay. Again, 
with one of your guesses for the sake of my fantasy team. I hope so. That'd be nice. For my bench this week, I have Old Faithful Drew Brees, Joe Mixon, and the aforementioned Allen Robinson. I am going to highlight Joe Mixon to say he's had a disappointing season stat-wise to this point and record-wise. I mean, they did they did tie last week, but uh, he has not been the breakout game-changing player they were hoping they were going to pair with their first overall pick, Joe Burrow. But I think a lot of that has to do with new coach, new coordinators, maybe not higher-up coordinators, but they had a whole bunch of new moving parts on that coaching staff. You know, they have a lot of talent at receiver with, you know, T. Higgins, A.J. Green, uh, Tyler Boyd, who I feel is the new number one in Cincinnati. And, yeah, Joe Burrow, there's a lot of flux on that offense. They're trying to figure things out. I think once they figure things out and who's going to play what role, you're going to see Mixon really, really improve. And you can't really face a better defense for trying to get the ills on your offense straightened out than the Jacksonville Jaguars, who made Ryan Fitzpatrick this past Thursday look like Joe Montana. So I think this could be a breakout game for Mixon. Not saying he's going to be Alvin Kamara, but you're going to see him in the end zone for the first time this year. I don't know if he's going to break 100 rushing yards, but he will break 100 all-purpose yards and a touchdown, a couple of catches. He'll look good on the ground. This is the perfect opportunity for the Bengals to not only get their first win with this new regime in place, but to actually, you know, use all their weapons effectively. All right, Tank is going to be Tom Brady. Derrick Henry and Travis Kelsey. I'm going to point out the issue Travis Kelsey is going to have. We've seen it for the first three weeks, and especially last week. I think I think is more relevant to the discussion because they face the Raiders, who have Darren Waller. We can agree Darren Waller is top five. Yeah, didn't Darren Waller have like 13 catches the week before? Right. Yeah, he was he's very much used. Shut down. Yeah, almost completely. So you have a combination of of three guys. I think essentially they're utilizing four tight ends. And I think one of them should be used a little bit more, but you have uh, Adrian Phillips, you have Joe Juwan Williams, and you have Kyle Duggar kind of matching up on the tight ends. Not so much Duggar. I slide him in there because I think he's just a bigger body that is better than using uh, McCourty or – who is the other guy they have back there that I can't figure out? I'll think of it at some point. Phillips? Um, no, I'm thinking of somebody else. Um, but regardless, the three combinations of those guys match up on the tight ends, and more so George Juan Williams, because you you see him match up, um, what was it, week? Was it week one? Yeah, it was week one against uh, Gasecki. Every time George Juan was on Gasecki, he didn't get anything. And the second he's off, where did Fitzpatrick go? Yeah. So I think more importantly, I want to see Joe Juwan go toe-to-toe with Travis Kelsey. And I think this is a matchup that the Patriots are going to win because that's exactly why they drafted Joe Williams last year. It's why they, they drafted Kyle Duggar this year. They're trying to match up against these tight ends. Well, that's going to be 
key if they want any chance against Kansas City to, to stop Kelsey in that passing offense. All right, for me, I have Giants quarterback Daniel Jones, Colts running back Jonathan Taylor, and Chiefs wide receiver Tyreek Hill. Wait, what? Okay. So just based on our reaction, I was going to talk about Jonathan Taylor. I'm going to go Tyree Kill instead. Tyree Kill is fast. That's that's not breaking news. But he's not when it comes down to just being a pure route runner, he's not great. Correct. He's good at when Mahomes can improvise, move around in the pocket. He's great because he's so fast at coming back to the ball. And look, that's a skill too. I'm not knocking him. I'm just saying, if you're having, if you're purely talking route running, he's not the first guy you want to line up. You want to have lined up on your offense. And the Patriots specialize in taking away your main offensive weapon. They're going to do that, to, like you said with Kelsey. They're going to try that, and they're probably not going to shut down both of these guys. So one of us is going to be wrong. Hell, with that offense, we could both be wrong. True. But if they can pressure Mahomes at all, or they can. Just make sure that there's no gaps in that secondary, which their secondary is exceptionally good, with the exception of when they face the Seahawks because Russell Wilson's on fire. Then they're going to be able to hold him, being Tyree Kill, pretty much useless because look what the Chargers did to him. For most, if he doesn't catch that late bomb to Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill is a non factor in that Chargers game. And more than likely, the Chiefs lose. Right. They didn't. That's not what I'm saying. But they, if you give him a gap, he'll find it'll make you pay. I think the Patriots secondary is good enough, and they're starting to come together enough with Duggar, with the defensive player of the year, Stephon Gilmore, with McCourty to... Both McCourty's. Both McCourty's. McCourty squared. McCourty squared. To make sure that this guy doesn't beat him. Oh, you got to worry about McCall Hardman and Sammy Watkins and Clyde Edwards-Alaire and, and 18 other players, but at least Tyreek Hill won't beat you. And he's probably going to get 15 catches for 300 yards and four touchdowns and make me look stupid, but look, I was 2-4 and four last week. I took a shot. What do I got to lose? We're rolling, look, 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 we're rolling the dice against the Chiefs. It's not exactly a best-case scenario, but if you lay it out, it makes it makes sense that either case could be possible. Look, I don't think anybody's ever been six and I want banker tank. People are wrong every week. It's like I say in my other podcast, there is no there's no school for this. Like you don't you don't just go get a degree in studying uh, stats and plays and stuff like that. Like you just you, you go on your knowledge of X, Y, and Z and you put together the best opinion you can. Yep. And Tyreek Hill is a tremendous talent, but I feel like if the Patriots can do, that's a big if against a talent of his caliber. If they can do what I said they can do, they can make sure there's no gaps in that secondary. They can put some pressure on Mahomes and make sure that he doesn't have time to scramble and improvise. If he does, there's no way they win that game. If they can pressure him into making quick decisions and a few bad ones, they got a shot. And Tyreek Hill will not be useful because he's not a guy who just runs three-yard slants a whole hell of a lot. So we're not afraid to throw out our opinions and be wrong, and I admit it. But, you know, true. we invite anybody to uh, challenge us. 
and put your banker tank picks up underneath the banker tank post that Ben puts on Facebook. And you got anything else? Or you good? Uh, game of the week. Oh shit! <laughs> I got mine. Um, I'm gonna go Pittsburgh uh, at Tennessee. I think this is a moment for the Pittsburgh Steelers to figure out if they have enough to go up against the likes of the Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens, especially since the Tennessee Titans beat the Ravens in the playoffs last year. I think this is a good matchup, a good barometer test for the Steelers to kind of figure out, do they have enough? Is their wide receiver core experienced enough to be explosive to compete with the Chiefs? And does Big Ben have enough left in the tank to have one more really good run in him? Because we know what that defense is going to do. The defense is going to play up. They're going to they are going to challenge Derrick Henry play in and play out every time he gets the ball. They are going to make it so Tannehill has to beat them. And that's what you want. I have the LA Chargers going against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ooh. I think this will be good. I know um ah, I've always forget I keep forgetting the guy's name. Uh the second the uh cornerback for the Chargers who just went out. Um Casey Hayward? Yes. They just got injured. I know they lose him. But obviously they don't have they don't have Derwin James, unfortunately for them. That kind of evens out with the Bucks not having Chris Godwin because he hurt his hamstring in his first game back. Mike Evans has been good with Brady the last few weeks. So let's see. With that really, really good Chargers defense that slowed down Patrick Mahomes for almost three full quarters against 43-year-old Tom Brady, the pocket passer, how that looks. I don't think it's going to look very good for the Bucs, but it's going to be an interesting game. It could get ugly. It could get real ugly. I mean, Brady's a veteran. Brady knows how to beat just about any defense, but without Godwin, I know Scotty Miller's looked good this certain times this year. Everyone's losing their mind because Gronk had six catches for like 40 yards. Oh, hooray. Use O.J. Howard. Use uh, Cameron Bright. I've I've barely seen this year. They struggled against New Orleans. Didn't play good against them in division in week one. Then they had Carolina and Denver. Denver, to say their defense is banged up is an understatement. They have practically half of a starting team that's on the IR right now. And offensively. Offensively, they're, they're a mess. So that team that we thought... That looked so great on paper. It's just it's a mash unit right now. So let's see when they go against this Bucks offense that Brady was so keen to join. And now there's a little bit of bitterness in my voice. I get it. Let's see how they do against this stellar San Diego Chargers defense. I'm really interested to see how that plays out. I'm good. You got anything else? I'm all set. All right. That is going to do it for us. Thank you so much for listening. As always. We'd love for you to interact with the show after Ben puts up the Banker Tank post. What day is that? When are you going to do that? I'm going to try to get it up tomorrow, but at late Friday afternoon. Okay. So Friday afternoon, if it isn't up earlier, go on to Bank, go on Ben and Chris Talk Sports on Facebook. Go on to the Banker Tank post. Put your picks up. Play against us. If you win, we'll mention you on air. Uh, if you have any questions or comments on anything else you've heard on this show or past shows, Ben and I would love to hear from you. And where can they get in touch with us? Well, the aforementioned uh, Ben and Chris Talk Sports Facebook page. Um, 
You can hit us up on Twitter at BCTSPod or go to the website, bctspod.com. All right. And thank you again, everybody, for the continued support. It means a lot to Ben and I. We really appreciate it. Downloads are doing quite well, and we like to see that increase. So if you do enjoy the show, subscribe to the show. If you feel so inclined, leave a rating and a review. We'd appreciate that as well. And tell a friend, as always. Until next time, for Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe and stay healthy, and we will see you right back here next Wednesday. Thank you.